0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. So how's the prayer and fasting going? Do you feel thinner? Norton says yes. Anybody else feel thinner? Feel more alive? Okay, you don't sound more alive. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Awesome. We have had, um, I don't know if you've managed to make the, um, some of the prayer during the week. Um, yes, yesterday, uh, we had a actually really powerful, I mean they've all been powerful, but a particularly powerful time yesterday morning, when you're really praying for Israel. And uh, I think for me, my perception is, and I kind of pick it up a little bit this morning, is that with the, remember last week we're looking at uh, this tissue paper and sometimes we can walk around with it's kind of. Shuts our vision off a little bit or our perception a little bit and the reality is is God is actually poking holes through it and giving us access points and on Wednesday night if any of you look at the encounter uh, here uh, I don't know what's happening with you but there was just a sense of the presence and the glory of God and uh, many people came up to me after and said you know I've met God in a new way in a fresh way people being healed of various things as we just gone kind of they just met God around the cross really around at the place of victory and breakthrough, but also as we broke bread together. There was just a real sense of Jesus is here. Uh, but Jesus was here not just so that we could have an experience of Jesus, but so that we were changed to take that reality out and change lives. So I, I'm really encouraged by um, one of the orange cars, I'm sure many of you have other testimonies, of just sharing the life that we have with others, I think is really part of what a Christian is about, and to bring people to Alpha, uh, which starts in just over two weeks' time, um, which actually is at Starbucks, as you probably know, you might have found, if you haven't already, you're sitting on it, is is that there'll be some invitations here. I've got all the details about Alpha on the back. Um, Why am I reminding us of that? Because I think um, what we were kind of hearing last Sunday is that part of this season that we're in, to encounter God in a real way is so that somebody else can in a real way. So that encountering Jesus in this season, part of what God is revealing is not just more about himself, but more about how he wants to use yourself to introduce others to himself. So Alpha is a really key key thing. I've got a few um, bits of feedback from, from uh, Colin, who's, who kind of oversees Alpha across the congregations. and We've had about 40 people come through Alpha uh, over the, over the, the, the autumn, um, 10 already knew the Lord, um, but they really experienced God in a new way, received the Holy Spirit, His power in a new way, got empowered in a new way and are now serving the Lord in a, a new way. 30 people that came along didn't know Jesus at all. And 14 of them gave their lives to Jesus. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's almost 50%. Well, let's, let's put it this way. Uh, there's about 60 of us here If 50% of us saw the same results, we'd see 30 people come to Jesus. Come on. So that's kind of how I think God wants us to think. And here's some feedback from some of those people that came. Uh, I've really enjoyed the 12 weeks. Everybody was nice, kind and happy. Each time I came, it felt like a family gathering. Thank you so much. Uh, It was a really good course. I really enjoyed it. Well delivered. The videos were excellent. Got on well with others and there was some really good light banter. Banter's a good word, isn't it? It's kind of an oldie word, isn't it? Don't use it so much now. It's a good word. Videos are much better than I expected. Friendly, welcoming atmosphere and really good food. Yay. Was a really good course, enjoyed it. Uh, very well delivered, video was excellent. And another one that says light banter. Light banter is a catching, it's, it's getting popular. This alpha course has been life-changing to me. It's helped me so much. God has shown me the truth and my life has been given to the Lord. I thank the Lord and I also thank that my old life has gone and my new life has now begun. Thank you all so much. So isn't it great to hear that there are actually life there are tangible changes to what God is doing. And as we were looking last week, is that God wants you to be a change maker. Just certain a person next to him saying, God wants you to be a change maker. If you're talking to an empty chair, then just turn around and find one, well, that's fine. You are a what? Empty chair? No, don't say that. You can if you want to. So, so this is kind of part two of this three-week series um, that we're kind of doing to really reinforce a lot of the Vision Sunday. If you haven't had opportunity to see the Vision Sunday video, uh, which we looked at on the 6th of January... It is online, so have a look at that. Uh, it's about an hour long, but it's packed with loads of kind of stuff that God is saying, uh, how we need to respond to what God is saying, uh, some of the practical implications to that, uh, and some of the, the results of doing that. And uh, today really follows in that whole theme. Uh, but, but the key, the, this message today is that God is going to bring, well, there's going to be an emerging of David's. Now, I know your name may not be David, uh, but, but you'll get the whole idea of it, is while we're meeting with God and in this time of prayer and fasting, is that God is going to be emerging the Davids. Amen. The Davids, whether you're a man or a woman, there is a sense of David within us. Uh, whether you know God or not, God wants you to emerge from whether you are now into another place. And we'll look at how that can work in a moment. If you, if you know the story of kind of David's journey, uh, and this may be relevant for some of you, I've mentioned this already on a Sunday, but we're going to get, unpack it a little bit more. Is that David almost was the forgotten child? Uh, the whole story basically, God spoke to a man who kind of heard from God and said, You know, go to this place, go to this town, go to this house, got to this family, got to this dad, and then somewhere you're going to find my, my choice for the next ruler of this nation. Now just guess what would have happened if that man hadn't gone. If he'd have met with God in such a powerful way that he heard the audible voice of God, but it would have stayed at home, we wouldn't have had a David. Just imagine if this, this man would have kind of had this tremendous kind of conference time with God, and God spoke into his heart and gave him the expectation, but then he'd have gone in a different direction, we'd have ended up with somebody else that still wasn't David. So what the point of this is that every time we meet with God, every time we meet with Jesus, there's always someone that will be impacted as a result. Amen. Thanks for that. The front row's getting it. In other words, every time we meet with Jesus, whether it's in the morning when we're praying, when we're reading the Bible, uh, when we're kind of gathering together in the corporate setting, even on a Sunday, there's always somebody else, the other side of it, that's going to get impacted as a result of what impacts us. And this guy, this guy, Samuel, his name, he turns up at the house and he says, Right, God has sent me here because one of your guys, one of your boys is going to be the next ruler. He's going to be the next general. He's going to be the next songwriter. He's going to be the next man that flows with a new sense of God and d- defeats our enemies and establishes God's purpose in the here and now. There is a potential now in this conversation. This guy Samuel was coming because there was a strategy that God had put in place and this was the moment when either someone's going to step into it or not. Have you got that? Because you wouldn't have had any psalms. You probably have had a ten actually. You wouldn't have had most of the psalms without David being around. Uh, We wouldn't have known that the Lord is my shepherd. We wouldn't have known that praise and worship can help beat things spiritually as well as physically we would have never known what it looks like to really give yourself in wholehearted worship to God. And I'm not suggesting we do it now because all the guys running around just in their underpants would look a bit weird. But the point... Well, it would. Okay, just would, right? But the whole point is that David expressed a relationship with God that nobody else before had that David released just his heart and his praise and his worship and his body was involved and his heart was involved and his arms and his legs were involved. He expressed something before the whole nation that nobody else had done before like that. Come on, you've got to think like this. If it wasn't David, a lot of other things wouldn't have happened either. And you might be thinking, oh, well, God would have worked it out. Yes, I like, know we would. Because there's always the sovereign will of God and then there's the permitted will of God. And we don't want to get into theology of that, but there are. The point is, is that this guy turned up and he said to the dad, one of your guys is going to be king. And in that, he's going to rule, he's going to have authority, he's going to, he's going to put us together as a nation, he's going to begin to help resource and give us vision. The father said, well, it's got to be the tallest then. Because it's always the tallest one. No, it's not him. The second tallest then. No, it's not him either. And he did it seven times. And then there was a moment when he forgot he had another son. Come on. And for some of us, maybe some of you, you might be sitting there thinking, God's forgotten me. He's lost my address. He doesn't visit me anymore. Or he's just left me to get on with it. David was just serving in a field of what? Work. He was just doing what he was asked to do. It was obscurity. Even his dad forgot him. But God never forgot him. And we know through the stories, through 1, 2 Chronicles, 1, 2 Samuel, through the Psalms, that in this field, David was being trained by God. He was being developed in the presence of God. There's no other psalm that, that so expresses The God of the universe can also be in my life than Psalm 23. It is the most well-known piece of the Bible in the entire world. It's Psalm 23. And without the David, you never would have had it like that. So we're in this season where God wants to take you, take me, out of a field of obscurity and put us into a field of influence. God has got a mission from heaven itself through all of our whatever we have, past, history, family, pressures. God knows the pressures that we live in. But let me tell you, if we don't look up, we only look out, we will always live in a field of obscurity because God's plan for you and for me is higher than the plan that we're living in. His purpose for you and me is greater than the purpose that we might be living in right now. That's always been God's heart for you and it always will be God's heart for you. But it doesn't just happen because we know it's there. Because David, I don't know what he was doing. He, he'd taken out a few bears, he'd taken out a few lines, he'd written a few songs. But the, the key thing about David was that he knew what the presence of Jesus was like. And he didn't even know it was Jesus. He was just sat looking at in the stars and I don't know how it worked, but God just began to come upon him. He just began to understand more the earth is the Lord's and everything is in it. And he was just in a field. So in his, in his physical, he was in a field of obscurity, but in his heart, he was, he was dreaming dreams. Come on, come on, go with me here. I'm doing the best I can, hallelujah. <laughs> here is David, he's got responsibility. He's just looking after the bears and the, the butts, right? It's lovely to see you. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. I don't know how often his brothers went to see him. The only time that you kind of read it, they gave him a bit of a hard time. When he, when he, he heard that there was a, there was a period in, in Israel's life where they, they were just stuck in the ground. They were stuck in their history. They were stuck in their past. Why? Because there was a man of fear just the other side of the valley. A guy called Goliath, right? You know him. Let me tell you something else about you as a David. There are Goliaths out there that are looking for Davids like you. There are just things out there. There are intimidatory things, fear things, worry things. There is poverty things. And what they're looking for is I'm looking for somebody like David, because without David I ain't moving. I'm staying here until I see someone like a David. Well, that's you, and that's me. Well, that's me and Kai, anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> is that the glass out there? Fears. They're going to stay on the ground until someone like a David stands up and says, today's your day. That's you, that's me. That's why we're encountering Jesus, so that the the, the Goliaths out there here, there's some Davids coming. They might not look big on the outside, but man, they've met with a big God on the inside. They may not be the brightest or the smartest, but man, what they're carrying. I'm getting intimidated. When the church, when you and I begin to intimidate the intimidator, it's when you see the victory. Man, we've got to make sickness sick because it keeps getting healed. Hallelujah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Come on. You've got to make sickness sick of getting healed. So I've got my feisty head on today. So there's David. He's in this field of obscurity. And what does he do? He just responds. He meets with the reality of his God in a fresh way. There's oil comes over his head. What we know that that represents presence. Let me tell you about presence in that Old Testament. They never washed it. They just kept it there. When the oil came upon them, king's priests, they were not allowed to wash it out. Why? Because it marked them. That's why we have a kind of a New Testament equivalent. Don't touch the anointing. Why? Because it's an Old Testament principle. He, he might have walked around for months with oil. He might have had like, like spiky, like a lot of young people. It's like hair. Boom, like if I had some, I'd have it, right? Do you know what I mean? Boom. But he would have walked around with either matted or congealed or whatever. Why? Because he realised that the presence of God was more important to him than what he looked like. Come on, sometimes to move from obscurity to influence, we've just got to let God mess us up a bit. Well, it's not how I like it. We've got to, I was going to say something really bad then. We've got to let what we like stay in the field. Because God wants to mess with us. He's not messing with us for the sake of messing with us. He's messing with us so that we become effective in in the field of influence. Do you understand that? I've not even got on with. I haven't switched it on yet. I'm just, this is just running in me so much. It's even on Wednesday when I was just meeting with oh God, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, don't stay here. Don't stay in this place. Take it. Don't stay with this kind of sense of God. Follow me. Do you know what I mean by that? What, what a powerful time. There was glory around, goodness, the sense of God's presence. I could feel Him. I could even smell Him. It smells like, it's true. To me, it smells like roasted almonds. Wow. So that mm, stopped you laughing. <laughs> it smells like roasted almonds. And it felt like just warm oil just coming over me. And God says, You can either stay here or you can stay under a pipeline. We can all stay in the last place. We had an encounter with Jesus. But let me tell you, he isn't there. Yeah, yeah. He's moved. He's moved. And if we don't move as well, it just becomes a memory. Yeah. I remember when. No, I want to know now. I said, I remember when. It's like I want to know now, Amen. not remember when. Amen. Amen. Put this to the front row. Everybody should sit on the front row, I think. Norton, come sit on his lap. Just sit on. Here's part of the challenge, right? <laughs> <laughs> Norton, what a fella. Oh, one more. <laughs> Sorry. I, you, let me explain what I mean by the front row. When we're living in our field of obscurity, there aren't any rows, there's just edges. You are all on the front row. In God's economy, as we're meeting with God right now, there are no front rows or back rows. We're either all on the front row or we're going in the wrong direction. Come on. That's just how it is. When David emerged out of obscurity and emerged through his generation and emerged into his future, he's a front row person. So much so, we remember last year that every enemy, every enemy within spit range, David's getting anointed, we're going to take him out. You can't live on the back row when God's called you into a place of influence. You're all on the front row. You're all living on the front row of your marriages, your households, your workplace, your study place. There is no back row in an encounter with God. Everybody gets moved from back row to front row. So forget where you're sitting right now. It's how we think right now. It's what we believe right now. That you're now in a field of influence. And the gate is wide open. There's all kinds of things coming in and out of that field. But you're there to influence all of them for God. Amen. Amen. You see, I believe we're in a season right now and we're all in it. I can feel it in my whole heart where I know, I know that God has anointed me and I know that God has anointed you. However, I also know that my anointing makes promises that my character can't keep. I'll let that one go in. Because that one hit me at about 5 to 9 on Wednesday night. Thank you, Jesus. Is that the presence of God, this presence that I can't rub off? I don't want to touch it. It's gone. I'm not going there. But he said, Yeah, your anointing's making promises that your character can't keep. So God's dealing with character. God is always dealing with our character. That's why it says in Corinthians, every time we meet with Jesus, we don't become more powerful, we become more like Amen. him. Amen. Yep. Yes. Have you got that? So I i gazing into his likeness, and we can all go like this, la, 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 and then we go out and just fall straight into sin. Why? Not because of the anointing, because of our character. Yes. 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 And in this season that we're meeting with Jesus, yes, the power is there. But the power's always been there. But God wants us to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, think like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus. Because out of that, the anointing flows pure. I tell you, I'm getting on one right now. Come on, then, Hallelujah! Why have got to get this? So this is all just coming out of my journey, just since I spoke to you last week. You see, there was something that was unlocked from that obscurity. David's passion to see God glorified more than his own life, more than his family's life, more than even his role or his position. No, God really, really was first. Even when he made this huge sin and ended up being in the wrong place at the wrong time, looking in the wrong way to the wrong woman. All of that stuff that you may or may not know, the very first person that he knew he'd let down was God. God. It wasn't, oh, I've let down her, or I've let down them, or I've let down me. It's like, God and God alone have I sinned against you. It was his heart that had been massaged and trained in the field of obscurity, but with God's presence, suddenly realised, realised, God, God, it's all about you at the end of the day. And whenever stuff just goes wrong, I've got to get right with you first. Because when I get right with you, getting right with everybody else is easy. Jesus puts it this way, how can, how can you live in this forgiveness that I've given you unless you release a forgiving spirit? Come on! It was David, wasn't it, that he kind of immersed with, with both the heart of God, or for God, but also the hands for God. In a moment, he could see provision from a family member that actually should have been ostracised and chopped off at the knees. And at the same time, he could wipe out a whole army with help from trees. I mean, who else? Who else? I mean, these guys out in Iraq that that, that Jamal works with, they wouldn't sit down and say, right, when when you hear the sound of marching in those olive trees, then move out. Don't be stupid. That's how you get wasted. That's how you get taken out. But if you know God's heart and if you hear God's voice, you do what he says. And I believe there are strategies out there. There are things out there that the enemy's put in place, little tripwires and little things in the ground. And until we encounter the Lord and until we move from obscurity to influence, we're just going to fall in the things instead of shutting them down. Things that, that the enemy has just set around your life. He doesn't want you to know just how great God thinks you are. He doesn't want you to know just how powerful God has made He doesn't want you to know that. He certainly doesn't want you to believe it. And he certainly doesn't want you to move in it. But there's a problem. He can't do anything about what God has done for us. What he does is he tries to make us think he hasn't done it. Have you got that? Did you see what I did The, The enemy can do nothing, absolutely nothing about what Jesus has done. It's done, it's finished, it's complete. It's a completed work on the cross of Christ. It is finished, not it's almost finished, or it's half time, let's change ends. Jesus didn't say that, he said it's done. Oh, yeah. So what the enemy says is, oh, it's not really done. Just stay in your field, just look after sheep, meh. <laughs> you know, you might have a little prayer victory, a little lion comes in, thank God for those. Praise God for the little bears that you, you, you beat up because you stayed faithful to God. But let me tell you, God wants you to be a kingdom of bear killer. Not just a single bear killer. But also, I think there's more than that in this season. Is that God wants us to reproduce that David Hart in other people. Again, one of the, for me, I don't know, okay. For me, there's just a whole life-changing thing that happened where David was emerging, he was coming out of his youth, out of his adolescence into his maturity as a young man and and the king of the day said, you know, who is this upstart, this bloke? You know, who is he? They're singing songs about him, but who is he? What's he got? And he went out there and sorted Goliath out and suddenly it was like, who is this young man, this hero of the land? It doesn't take much to be a hero. I believe God is calling all of us to be heroes. What does a hero do? It looks at the enemy and says, I'm coming to get you. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. They said, um, <clears throat> how, how did Goliath get killed? And I said, through a wood." No, he got his head cut off. No, he died before that. That was the physical. He came out every morning, yeah, you bunch, kingdom faith, you know what you're doing, you guys are over here, you young people, you rubbish. Yeah, it's fear, it's intimidatory. But it said that he just stood there and gave it large. You know, you, you know you, you're all right. You know, you pray and that's fine. Just don't, don't bother doing anything else. Don't bother expecting answers. It's fine. Just pray. Just keep praying. It's cool. Just keep turning up on the Sunday, giving you time. It's fine. That's all you need to do. woo Because sometimes intimidation isn't quite how it seems. You know, you're a Christian, but keep it to yourself because you think you're weird. But doesn't the Bible say that God takes the weird and makes clever people look stupid as a result? <laughs> so his glass just comes out there he can look like anything sound like anything it says that David ran towards him oh, wow. when, we, when we're in obscurity we're just wandering around thinking oh what am I going to do oh well, yeah there's a breakthrough There's great but when you're out here you're always running towards the enemy why? because you're always running towards God you see the, the purpose of God was the other side of the nine foot guy the nine foot guy just got taken out on the process have you got that? And sometimes we think, oh, we've got to defeat this, we've got to defeat that. No, pursue God, and you overtake your enemies. You say goodbye on the way out, and then stick your feet out. Boss, they fall over. Hallelujah. You pursue God and overtake your enemies. You don't pursue your enemies. In fact, in the Psalms, one of the... David wrote, said, Let God arise! And your enemies are scattered. Don't scatter your enemies. Let God arise! Oh, I got a bit shouty there, I apologise, but... Not for long. So here's some insights that just out of one psalm. You, some of you probably would have read it. This just was impressed upon me this week. It's, it's Psalm 67 and Luke come all the way down from Horsham just to put the words on the screen. Thank you, Luke. What a legend. It starts with this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Now, th- this isn't just a... God, if you don't mind. This is like Moses was saying, God, I'm not going out there unless I can see you. God, I'm not moving from this place of obscurity into that place of influence unless I see you, unless you go with me. It's it's an active sentence. God, you you must make your face shine upon me. Because otherwise I'm just two-faced. Woo-hoo! Say one thing, do another. That's what I mean by me being two-faced. God, I just want to reflect your face. So God, you must show me your face so that, the, so that your ways will be known on earth. And I want to walk how you walk. And I want to live how you live. And I want to re- respond how you respond. I don't just want to say I'm a Christian. Man, I want people to know I am before I tell them. Because if I'm walk, walking in your way, I'm walking in the right way. So this is much more active than just saying, oh Lord, bless me, bless me. And God has blessed you. If you know Christ, you are blessed with knowing Christ. This is more than that. It's God, I want to see your face. I want to know your presence. I, don't, I can't see it in the same way in obscurity, but as soon as I look upon your likeness, you've changed me totally. And you bring me in a whole new field. This is what's coming out of here. Maybe it's not for you, but this is how God is impressed upon me. Then your nut maze will be known on the earth. In other words, something that is already eternally happening in heaven becomes my reality here on earth. On, yeah, on. That as Christians, we have the kingdom of God in our lives, the same kingdom that Jesus preached about, the same kingdom that He's the King and the Lord over. And as I walk in the ways of the King, and as I walk in the ways of the Lord, those ways are known on the earth. And we were chatting a little bit yesterday on these training sessions. Like sometimes people just they just think you're weird, and then sometimes people will just criticise you and sorry, just they'll criticise you and comment on you, and because they can't work out why well, you're not the same as everybody else. But let me tell you, Moses and David and I, probably you, I don't want to be the same as everybody else. I've got to be God different, not just me different. We can all do weird stuff. I'm different for Jesus. No, you're just weird. Stop it. Cut it out. You know, I'll sit down when everybody's stood up, or I'll stand up when everybody's sat down. That's just weird. Just get a grip. No, I I want to follow in the ways of God, because his ways are different. If I'm walking in his ways, that makes me different so that your more ways will be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Here's an interesting thing for a Jewish reader. Salvation among all nations, what does it mean? It means salvation amongst all nations. That's what it means. So how do we have it then? This little Benjamite guy, left-handed slingshot man, suddenly realized that Jesus came for all nations, both Jew and Gentile. You didn't know that without Christ. He did. Come on. Hallelujah. I think this is cool. With, if David would have stayed over here, he would have thought that Jesus only came, and God only came, not God only came for the people that he knew. But what he suddenly realised, God came for all people to know him. It's not passive. It's, it's not like a, a let it be, let it be. So I was saying last week. Living in the kingdom of God is not like, you know, case or Aser, or whatever would will be with you. There's a passion that God puts in your heart, my heart, to see God glorified, to make him known. I, I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to now. It's somebody. I've had so many meetings. Is how many times have you walked past a building site or a garage or things where people tend to drop things on their foot? Or maybe you're, you're banging in a nail and you hit the wrong nail. Do you know what I mean? Have you, got, have you got the picture? How many times have you heard somebody say, Oh, Buddha? <laughs> or, oh, oh, flip Mohammed. How many times have you heard people say that? Come on, being honest with you, someone's a question. How many? What, what do you hear them say? Jesus Christ! Why? Because his name is above every other name, that's why. Come on, you don't hear people saying, Oh, Buddha! or on Muhammad. I know it's funny but it's in the character of God it's Jesus said my name is higher than every other name of course it is ok then might be using it in the wrong way but man they got to show, be shown the right way man if you use it in the right way through relationship through faith through expectation when you say that name all kinds of things can happen so I don't know is this making any sense to you? I'm just having fun. But we're desperate for his face to shine on us and his love and his life to live out of us, just like Moses. Then it goes on, May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. This is a prophetic statement. This isn't just David saying, Give me me, give me God, give me go, give me God. God, show them as well. Oh God, please, let, let everybody, let everybody see you in a way that praises a response. And it's a repeated, it's a reinforced phrase. You hear it again a little bit further down. That all peoples will praise you again. It's such an understanding that God is the Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the people that look like you and look like me. He isn't. When God begins to add to the numbers of the church, man, the church has an issue. Well, they're not long. Like has Well, we, the us needs to change then. <laughs> because... Most people I know are not like me. You might be really pleased to hear that. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> hey! For those of you listening, that was Blake, but well, I still love him anyway. But there's a prophetic thing out there. Let your praise come. Let people know you. But how are they going to know you? Because I know you. Then it goes on May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. Not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. What a revelation! Come on. This is cool. The land yields its harvest. This is interesting because we also know that without God it's dry and it's barren. It's hard. In the field of obscurity you have to make things work. You've got to work really, really hard, really, really smart but when you're in the field of influence God begins to work for you in a different way. Just like when the people of old went from the, uh, from the wandering season in the promised land, God stopped providing bits of crisp bread and little bits of duck that they just picked up. No, he provided trees and plants. You just have to go and get it. And sometimes we're waiting for God to do that when we need to be doing that. Yeah. Come on! We're saying, God, give me more, give me more. He's saying... Get out and get on with it. The more is out there. The more isn't up there. It's out there. From cursed to blessed, from barren to fruitful, I've written here, from dry to saturated, from closed to open. The land will yield its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. See, the connection here that David found is that as long as I'm living under the blessing of the Lord... I don't just mean that, that positional blessing, I am blessed, but I'm living out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm living out of it. In fact, I'm not going to do anything that God isn't blessing. Don't just do stuff and hope God's going to bless it, because let me tell you, he doesn't always. number of conversations I've had where people have come up when they think they're asking me what they should do, but actually they're telling me. I don't come and say, oh, you know, do you think I should do this? Can you go and pray about it? It's like, I'm going to go and do this. Is that all right? You see the difference with it? And David learned, come on, I'm going to bring my inquiries before the Lord. God, is this all right? What should I do? Where should I go? Because his trust was in the Lord, not in you, not in me. There's just too much blessing to keep quiet and not tell someone about it. So, So here's the challenge then. How many of you want God to use you more? Then you've got to move out of your field. Uh, I can't remember who wrote it. It might have been you. But wrote something. God won't do something new by using an old door. Was that you? I thought it was. (coughs) She's nicked one of my phrases. Which is fine because I love you. Is that If you want to see God do something new, you need to do something new. So let's all stand up, shall we? I've just noticed the time. Sorry, I'm just getting into it now. Just getting—you're going to have to come back next week. I'm going to have to come back next week. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday's not so preachy as Sundays. But I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe in your head, you kind of resonate with, yeah. Maybe—maybe maybe I'm just wandering around the field, and it's a nice field, and God's kind of in it. But there's nothing else happening. There's nothing else happening. Well, when God turns up, things happen. (laughs) Things happen. And we're in the season where God's turning up, so something happens. Uh So last Wednesday, somebody gave a life to Christ in Worthing, didn't they? Where's Pauline gone? Somewhere. Hello! They gave a life to Christ on the street. Why? Because our expectation is, when you take Christ out, something happens. Uh So just close her eyes a minute, it does all go dark. So there's a whole load of things coming up. You've got opportunities just in this next week, To pray and change men, women, young people, unsaved people. You've got an opportunity to pray like yesterday's. Prayer for Israel was just thick with the presence of God. But the purposes of God, man, they came out of that room like nails. Hitting, saying, right, this is it, this is it. In other words, presence is great, but it always produces something. There's encounters on Wednesday where we can just soak, if you like, in the presence of God, so that God gives us faith to bring someone to Alpha. Or maybe God just says, right, your obscurity is you've come through all of the process, but now I want you to influence others. Maybe small group leading is your next step. Maybe helping a small group is your next step. I have no idea. All I know is is that to move out of obscurity, we need to do something new. Hallelujah. But if you just sense, you know, God's kind of forgotten you, let's let's tell you, even, even your forgetfulness cannot separate you from the love of Jesus. The Bible says that nothing in heaven or on earth or below the earth, no spirit, not even me, not even how I think about me, can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Just a fact. So, Father, I want to thank you for every person here, every person in the United in J247 that we're going to see this come in seven days, not as a week of, of adversity, but a week of opportunity. That we're going to see it as a week of influence. We're going to see it as a week of harvest. We're going to see it as a week of breakthrough in our own personal lives and in our corporate life together. We want to thank you for your presence upon our lives. But Lord, we say we want to go with you. We want to follow you into this week. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and all the honor. And everybody said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.